Million Dollar Agent, the podcast, John McGrath and Tom Panos coming to you each week, giving you all the real estate hot tip info, jibber-jabber, rugby league, scripts. Um, John, we cover every topic. Uh, so, so, Johnny, we just got off a phone call. We just got off a phone call with all our ARIC speakers um, and, and Nicola had uh, from, from Tread had organised it and all of a sudden I just got a rush of blood and excitement knowing that it is now five weeks away and um, pretty pumped. And, John, I looked at the screen. It was a Zoom call and I was looking at the people on there. These are serious real estate hitters that are going to be sharing content that's going to help people get listings, make more sales, build their personal brand, and talk about their unique nuances that they're using to, to, to crush it. You saw them, John. They're, um, they're fired yeah. up and great group of people. Tommy, look, I felt the same. I mean, that's actually the first time, other than in the brochure, certainly the first time I've seen all the faces on a screen, animated, real life uh, before. And... As you and I both know, there's a, there's a great excitement about this year's ARIC, I guess partly because it is post-COVID and, and we missed a year and everyone's kind of been wondering, will ARIC be on? And yes, it is. But uh, no, I, I agree. It was fantastic. And, and even in that last 12 months, I'm looking at, because some of them were very kind and, and they generously donated their time this time last year to uh, to do the digital ARIC during COVID lockdown. And, and some of them, their lives have changed quite a bit. Stefan Bertrand, um, who, who was a sales agent with us, he's become a principal now. Josh Cheslin's done the same. So, you know, their lives have changed in the last 12 months. So their stories that they're going to tell, they're sort of moving, uh, you know, sort of moving pictures. It's all going to be changing. And, uh, you know, you and I have just spoken about some of the people that are selling 200 to 250 properties a year. Uh, and it's just like, that is world best anywhere. And these are not people with 47 team members. These are people with a couple of support team around them. So, yeah, it's going to be fantastic. Can't wait. Okay. Now, John, last week we had a great conversation about listing presentations and you were talking about the help that Joel got from, um, what's that gentleman's name again? The uh, Rob Williams, Mr. Rob Listing. Williams. Yeah. yeah, and uh, uh, helping becoming singular focused at a listing presentation. What can I do to help that vendor know I'm going to get more money for him? That was a super, super podcast. And I can tell you since then, a lot of real estate agents have told me they have rethought their own listing presentations. Are they not spending enough time talking about what's in it for me to the vendor from the vendor's perspective? And we clearly know, John, like what's in it for them, getting the best price. Uh, some people have said, oh, you know, days on market. I think, John, in Australia, if you had to ask, fundamentally the number one thing would be getting top dollar in a reasonable amount of time. But it mm -hmm. would, be, it, would you agree price over over time? Yeah, and, and it's how do I get top dollar? Because most people are smart enough to realise that, you know, real estate doesn't have a fixed price. So what can we do? How can we present it? How do we market it? You know, what, what are you going to do for me as my agent? And that's where, you know, when Rob Williams said that to me, he just said, you know, having been a, a seller's advocate and representing sellers choose agents, he was amazed at how many seasoned professional agents actually talked about all sorts of things about, you know, track records and uh, and awards that they'd won and a whole range of stuff. And yet all he wanted to hear was, what are you going to do to help me get the best amount of money? So, yeah, I, I think it was really, really good, uh, and uh, you know, great, 
kudos to Joel Hollings, who's one of our top guys who sold 17 last month um, and is doing tremendous business. He works out near Josh Teslin. And, um, yeah, he unpacked his he, – he was, despite being highly successful, he was writing about a million and a half at the time. Despite that, he actually unpacked his whole presentation and went to an expert and he said to Rob, can you help me put this back together more successfully? Because he'd missed a few in a, in a row. Um, and I think that's part of what we're going to talk about today is, you know, there's going to be things that work for you for a while and they could be called a listing presentation or a style of doing business or even, you know, in personal relationships, you know, th- things change all the time and you have to make sure that they continue to work for you as the world evolves around you. And I think that's the thing, you know, we were actually talking in a sporting metaphor last week, you know, I, I know you're a passionate Tigers fan. They haven't had the world's best season this year and it's it's hard when, you know, when you're a good team and you're a good coach and all of a sudden things aren't going your way and you miss a game and you miss two or three or two or three listings, what do you do? So I think that's really going to be what we're going to focus on today. Yeah, so, uh, John, um, the topic, when nothing is going your way, how do you keep going? And it does happen. And, you know, ironically, as we move on to um, this week from last week, he, he, uh, Maguire as a coach. Oh, by the way, John, you were at South when Maguire uh-huh. was there, correct? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, he, he was a great coach. Uh, I he think won the grand been... final. I think you won the grand final with him. Am I right? Or you? Yeah. Were... No, 2014, you're 100% right. No, he, he was a great coach, and, and I'm, I have no reason to doubt He's not still a great coach, but even great coaches and great real estate agents can have negative streaks or runs of out. So uh, I think it's a really good topic today to, to delve into that because, uh, you know, I mentioned also another agent that I'm, I'm coaching one of our team who's extraordinary, and this agent had lost five or six in a row when I met up with them for a coffee, despite them being, in my opinion, one of the best agents in the country. So, so let's dive into that. I, I, I had a bit of a think about this since you texted me through, Tommy, that the topic or reminded me. Here's where I would start. Firstly, I think you need to have a philosophy that everything in life serves you, which is one of my philosophies, because shit is going to happen. Stuff is going to happen in all parts of your life, physical, emotional, mental, financial, business, career, everything. There's going to be some time to time where things don't go your way. So you're either going to, you know, spit out the dummy and and sort of think it's a really bad thing, or you're going to say, okay, what am I learning here? What's, what's, you know, whether you say, what is the world teaching me? What is this situation teaching me? What has this mistake or failure taught me? So I think the first thing is you actually have to see that everything can work in your advantage if you actually have that philosophy. Because to me, that's the only way to look at it. Otherwise, you know, half the time, you know, you're going to be happy and half the time you're going to be miserable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love that. So that would be number one. Number two is I've spoken about this a little bit on this podcast, Tommy, is extreme ownership. Next thing, once deciding that everything serves you, so you've just got to find out what was the purpose and what's the lesson, you actually have to take ownership because the next thing you can do is, and we all tend to do it from time to time, is blame other things, other people, other situations. And the number of times I've heard an agent who's lost three on the trot say, oh, well, the new com- competition up the road, they're charging 1% and they're paying for advertising. So they're not taking extreme ownership. They're actually you know, giving all their power over to someone else that they don't control and, and they've actually lost the opportunity to, to seize control. So I, I operate in an environment of coaching and personally of extreme ownership. If something hasn't gone right, number one philosophy, there's a lesson I can grow stronger, I can be better as a result. Number two is I first have to take extreme ownership and I can't blame 
I have to actually realize that I probably could have done something that would have altered the outcome. And then you take your power back. Because my view in that little scenario I just gave you, Tom, is that, um, you know, if someone else is free and they're going to pay for marketing, I'm still a better agent because I'll still get. It's all about, as Rob Williams said to me over that little lunch that I had with Ian Con a few weeks ago, he said, John, John, it's about, you know, who is going to get the most amount in my bank account on settlement day? And that doesn't mean the cheapest agent. It's the agent that is best equipped to get the most amount of money. And even if they're a bit more expensive, they're going to be the best deal. So I think next one is extreme ownership. And the third thing is then I think you've just got to, as, as Joel did so beautifully, unpack the bits. You know, I often talk about following the breadcrumbs. Let's go back and look at each instance of where something didn't go our way. We've taken extreme ownership. So let's think about that listing presentation. Uh, you know, I was talking, I'm doing a listing at the moment with one of my young guys. It's not overly expensive. It's a couple of million dollars. And I was referred <coughs> by uh, by Anthony Bell, our, our company accountant, I was referred um, to uh, to him about this client. And so I've been heavily involved with it. And I've just been teaching uh, Richie, the guy that I'm doing it with, about what you have. I mean, I, I remember Phil Harris told me, Tom, he has a benchmark of six touch points between when you're called into a listing and when you meet the vendor six specific things and we talked about this a few weeks ago that you should be doing between that so i spoke to richie about yeah what can we do what can we say have you driven past the property have you looked at the comparables have you spoken to a stylist you know can you pencil in an auctioneer what are the things you can do have you sent a calendar invite to the to the vendor with regard to the meeting so um i think you know looking back on every situation if you trace back the breadcrumbs and look at there's probably something that'll become evident you could have done to have changed the result. So I think once you've taken ownership, you've then got to start unpacking it and work, working out what you would do differently next time. Love that, John. Love it. Um, I can't help it, but I notice often when 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 you know when 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 agents are going through a, a rocky uh, period, bumpy roads. The one thing I've noticed that you shouldn't do, and I think often they do, is they numb themselves. Often it is with having a few glasses, you know, I'm going through a hard time and I just got just got to have a few, you know, have a few glasses of wine or something like that. And oh. I actually, I actually, and 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 I actually find sometimes it's more than wine, right? Um, oh. so I actually I actually find that that's the beginning of uh sometimes a spiral that goes even worse. Because what comes out after the numbness is not someone that's got extreme ownership, not someone that's working at the root cause of the problem, but band-aiding it and actually heading in the wrong um, trajectory, if you know what I mean. The second thing, John, that I I don't know about you, but I find that it's very weird. You're going if things if you if 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 things aren't going your way. I find that changing your physiology, being exercise, can oh. actually change the way you feel. <laughs> and the way you feel will actually dictate what you do. Yes, yeah, absolutely agree. And, and just back to your numbing point, Tommy, you're right. You know, whether people are using food, alcohol or other substances, um, which only, of course, can only make it worse, can, cannot make any of this better. So, again, I go back to extreme ownership and what's your philosophy and what's the useful belief so the useful belief is i've missed three listings in a row there's never been a better time to reinvent my listing presentation and if i get it right 
I'm going to change my career for the better going forward. So when you have that philosophy, you actually don't want to numb yourself. You're actually excited to get back, unpack it, and get back uh, on the horse and sort of, you know, have a success next time around. Whereas if you start feeling bad about yourself, oh, I'm not good enough, that's no good, The, the competition must be better, I screwed up again. So you have to have that positive approach to failure and you, know, you don't have to listen to too many uh, success and self-help tapes to realise that everyone that's had a, a massive success in their life has had massive failures along the way and continues to. So, uh, you know, I think it's really, you're right about, you know, what, what is the useful belief to steal Chris Helder's great line? What's the useful belief that's really going to help me through this? And, and we know that alcohol, we know that five glasses of red wine is not going to solve the problem. In fact, the opposite. It's probably going to give you a hangover. You're going to sleep in the next day, feel worse about yourself, and it's actually going to exacerbate it. So, yeah, I, I think it's a really good, really practical point to raise. Now, John, I've got, I want to ask you, at the moment, I've had a lot of people in recent weeks ask me about books um, that are hot or trending or you're really enjoying um, enjoying at the moment. The guy that asked me was... Uh, a guy from uh, Barry Plan, Andrew, um, at uh, Taylor's Lake, and he said, you know, something that is going to inspire me with prospecting. I said, listen, you know, Fanatical Prospecting is a good book, but I know that you're an avid reader of book, uh, John. Mm. What, what are you, like, at the moment, what are the things that come to your mind on books? So there's a few books, and some of these are current and uh, some of these uh, our older style. Whenever I meet someone that's thinking of going into their own business or just into sales, which I think is their own business, I always tell them to read the E Myth. <laughs> um, right. To me, it's it's and and everyone comes back to me and said, "My God, what a great book! It was really well written. I get it. I'm going to change the way I do things." So, for me, the E Myth was one of the the all time greats. Another one, if you are in management uh, or even if you're not, the One Minute Manager. I love. I haven't read it for years, but I still operate on the principles of, you know, one-minute reprimands and one-minute recognition. Some of the recent ones I've spoken, and I'm just rereading at the moment, Principles by Ray Dalio. I think yes. that is an extraordinary book. Um, you gave, John, you gave it to me as a gift, and I yeah. haven't read it. It is it, it looks like it's a big book. It's- yeah, it is, Tommy, but get into it because it's actually easy. The, the way it's fascinating – the first half of the book about is about how to live your life better. Second half of the book is to how to run your business better. And in the middle is is a quite a detailed content. So you go in there and you look at the chapters, and it's not just a chapter head. It tells you a little bit about what it is, and you say, wow, that's a topic I want to dive into. So you go to that page, and it's usually only one or two pages long, and you get great stuff. So even though it looks pretty thick, when you get into it, you, you go to your top 10 or 15 um, content pages and it's really good. And then, of course, you just, you know, you can watch them on YouTube and do other things. Uh, another one that I've just started rereading recently, Tommy, is one called The Excellence Dividend from Tom Peters, your namesake. Okay, um, so Tom Peters came to um, he came to Australia for Mastery, the event that uh, we ran that uh, uh, I still can't get over. We had Rupert Murdoch speaking at that event. Um and That's right. He spoke at that. He was famous for a book in search of excellence. So, I pre- is this a later book from him? It's a, li- it's a later book, and I think he's actually got better and better as he's gone. I mean, he'd be probably nudging eighty years of age now, and I think he's doing his best work and writing his best books right now. So, it's one called the Excellence Dividend, and you've just said 
about, you know, sometimes you need a bit of energy to get into a book. This one you don't because it's lots of little bite size, chunk size, easy to digest chapters, quotes, things. And, you know, it's one of those ones you can just sit down on the couch for 10 minutes and get some gold. So there's some that I'm either rereading or come to mind when people ask me the question is, what would you be reading? The, the last one, which I think I've mentioned also before, which is sitting here, I'm, I'm at home at the moment, it's on my lounge room table, is the book about Aesop, which is the, the wonderful brand yeah. that I, I refer to all the time with you. And it's really the story of Dennis Pafidis's life and his business philosophies and how he runs his business, how he runs his life. And I think it's about $150. You get it from the ESOP stores and it's the best $150 you will ever spend in terms of looking to find some insights into a genius, a modern-day genius, I think. So that would be the left Johnny, field. You never, you, ne- you, never, you never speak about it, but I get so many other people speaking about it. Your best book, I don't know how many books you have written. How many books have you written, John? Two or three? Uh, three big ones and two little sort of quote ones. But, yeah, th- three, so when I say okay. big, bigger, normal length ones, yeah. I get a lot of feedback from my gym members that it's a bit of a personal development Bible because it seems to cover all the personal development stuff that's got a real estate flavour to it, but it doesn't actually talk about real estate in it. You don't have to be born brilliant. That book there, John is an absolute beauty. It's a masterpiece. I think, you Thanks, know, it's, it's it, like if, if someone read that book today, I don't think it would be obvious to them that that book was written, was it 20 years ago? Yeah, I reckon 25, something like that. Interesting. Thank you very much. You're very kind. Interesting story about it. I, I had actually written the book, written the manuscript. I got cold feet and I thought, oh, no one's going to want to read this. I started having nightmares that I'd be going down Pitt Street Mall and I'd see them on the 20 cent reject shelf saying, you know, all this. And I just thought, I just was having second thoughts. A little bit like my story around that Woolsey Crescent listing. It's very similar that amazing the number of times that you almost don't do something and you're glad you do it. Anyway, I I told my story to a young school in Paddington, Glenmore Road Public School, and one of the mothers came up and she said, have you ever thought about writing a book? And I said, well, funny you ask, uh, because I have written a manuscript, but I kind of... I've put on the top shelf. And she said, well, I'm an author. I work for, she said, she's a freelance, not an author. She's a uh, publisher. And she worked, I think it was for Penguin at the time, freelance. And she said, would you be interested um, in in me putting uh, your story? Could you send me a copy of the manuscript? Anyway, I did. And and, uh, bizarrely, it became a bestseller uh, the year it was released, which in Australia, it's not massive numbers, but I think it's a 30,000 sell out or if you sell 30,000 copies you then go you're you know labeled a bestseller or it is sorry not you the the book is so yeah that was that was kind of one of those just funny happenstances that may have never happened if she hadn't heard the talk and encouraged me so that that was nice but uh, yeah look I I hope my book I I just like reading I like reading blogs I like uh, watching YouTube anything that I can get new information about is, is kind of cool all right Johnny Thank you. So to everyone that was listening to this podcast, if things aren't going your way or even if you've been punched in the face, as some people have with pretty bad punches, Angelo Nicholas is one of those, but Mm. he still showed up on that Zoom briefing today, John, and um, he's still showing up at ARIC and in between he's fitting his uh, chemo and his radiation 
So I think, you know, what you're sort of saying is, look, it's not what happens to you. It's what you do about what happens to you. And the minute you can take ownership on issues, you can move forward because there's something that you can do about it. And that's exciting. I think it would be terrible to actually think to yourself, there's no point. I can't do anything. And feeling like hopeless and overwhelmed and helpless. Yeah, no, 100%, Tommy. And while we're just briefly on the subject of Angelo, shout out to Phil Harris and the team at Harris because you and I had coffee with Angelo and Stacey recently and he just said, i got to tell you, I couldn't have done this without Phil. His generosity and support and the team, his colleagues, you know, Tommy Hector and Simon and the guys and Sarah and the team at, at Harris is amazing. So it's great to see how businesses can act like families and even the industry can come together in, in times of challenge. And, you know, Angelo is going to get through this. He's going to give a great speech at ARIC. He's going to get through just like you've got through this incredible um, regime of treatment. And he's going to be, as you are, Tommy, a better person for it. At the end, you know, and even talking about the health, we've just spoken about things that don't go right. And I know you've coined the, the wonderful phrase or, or certainly repeated a number of times around, you know, great, your, your health issues were a great gift that was wrapped badly. And I think, again, what a useful philosophy of life that the things that happen, they rarely look like a gift at the time. So let's get into real reality mode. It's not like you're going to have some of these disasters and, you know, just say incredible, what a great blessing. But if you think about it and you see it as an opportunity, you know, Ryan Holiday, speaking at Eric, the obstacle is the way. Um, if you oh, see I it forgot as- about him. I just <laughs> forgot about him. He's great. I just realised we got him too. Yeah, he's going to be awesome. And, and he talks exactly about this. So, you know, if you do get the chance to come to Eric, come along. There's going to be lots of conversations around this topic. And I think it is important because skills are important, but real estate is a mindset game. So you've got to strengthen your mind as well. Johnny, thank you so much to our listeners. Get your ticket at Eric, book your flights, get accommodation. Nicola said there was, did she say three rooms left? She said three. There was at the star. There's only three was, rooms left. Three yeah. rooms left at the star. So chances are you won't get those now. But <laughs> <laughs> but, but there's other hotels that are nearby. <laughs> there's other hotels. Yang, we'll see you next week. See you up there. Bye, Tommy. See you guys.